We don't do good things and avoid evil because it will make us good. We do good things and avoid evil because it is in line with our inherent goodness. Because when we do so, we find peace and freedom and virtue, and it expresses the truth of who we really are. Welcome to This Whole Life, a podcast for all of us seeking sanity and sanctity, and a place to find joy and meaning through the integration of faith and mental health. I'm Kenna Malay, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm with my husband, Pat Malay, a Catholic speaker, musician, and leader. We invite you to our kitchen table. Okay, not literally, but but you're definitely invited into the conversations that we seem to keep having once the kids have scattered off to play and we're left doing the dishes. We're excited to share this podcast for educational purposes. It is not intended as therapy or as a substitute for mental health care. So let's get talking about this whole life. Hello, and welcome back to This Whole Life Podcast. Welcome um, back. We are in episode four, um, an awesome follow-up to the last episode, Pat, where you were riding with Father Nathan, um, mm-hmm. Father Nathan La Liberté, a, a priest here in our Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and you guys got to talk about the awesome news of our inherent goodness as sons and daughters of God. So yeah, so episode four, this one right here. It's our follow-up um, to talk about, and oh, you don't get to do whatever you want with that goodness. <laughs> exactly, right, yep. Um, your actions do have consequences. So yeah, so before we get into all that good stuff, uh, let's talk about highs and hards. Babe, where are you at? Um, my hard lately has been, um, okay, so uh, we are recording this toward the end of the summer, 2022. Uh, you and I, my beloved, have signed up for a rugged maniac. Yes. Race. Yes. You say yes. <laughs> because you just don't normally agree to do stuff like this with me. You don't you don't love working out with me. We won't get into that. That's a whole nother thing. That's for actually our therapist, not for public not for public consumption. Um but uh yeah, so I'm super pumped that we're gonna like do something hard together and like physically challenging and then rewarding afterward. So here's the thing. Uh, beloved listener. So my bride is very committed and focused and very intense in a million good ways. And one of those is in physical exertion that you, my love, are very focused and driven. And when there's a task, nothing's going to stop you, right? I take a longer road to the finish line. <laughs> you take sometimes, the circuitous path. <laughs> sometimes literally. Yeah. So I like I will, I, I work out almost every day and I try to eat somewhat healthy because I really do care about my health and my well-being. And it's also true that I'm not going to go out of my way to run up and down hills for an hour and a half. So this race that we're running together, I'm hoping it brings us closer together (laughs) because there's a chance that we may have some recovery to do after we get done. And I don't mean just physical recovery. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. But anyway, my heart has been training for this gosh forsaken race because the race is up and down these ski slopes here in Minnesota that obviously yeah. don't have snow yet. Believe it or not, it, it, <laughs> it is not snowy quite yet in Minnesota. For those of you who want to come visit, please do. <laughs> now is the time. <laughs> uh, so in the summer, they are able to run races like this. And running up and down ski slopes is not my idea of a good time on a Saturday morning. Yeah, but I hear you. I hear it's you. 
okay. It's fine. I did this race last year with my buddy and um, it was good. Uh, I signed up to do it again, which means I didn't hate you it did. totally. You did. And now you get to come with me and you get to watch your husband at his absolute worst, <laughs> sweaty and breathing loud and pushing his limits, <laughs> challenging himself, reaching new heights, literally on a ski slope. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So training is hard. Running up and down okay, Ramsey Hill right is now. difficult. Yep. Um, my high is um, I don't I don't often get very, so. Here's the thing. Uh, for the forever in my life, summer was like the season, right? From when I was a kid, obviously summer was like the crowning jewel of the whole year. And even being a youngish parent up to this point, I love summer because just the schedule changes and you can go camping and the weather's nice and it's uh, all these beautiful things. And maybe this year I started realizing that I really actually love fall. <laughs> I don't know about more, but I really am looking forward to fall. It's not even fall yet, but just the anticipation of football. Oh, the football and our kids being in school, which I love them and I'm not happy to get rid of them, but it's just a good, healthy schedule for yeah. all of us at yeah. a certain point. Structure. Um, the weather is a little bit cooler and a little bit more easy to manage in some ways. Uh, there's like apple picking and just there's so you many really good things. You really are anticipating this. It really oh is. Gosh. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Sounds like you have our fall mapped out for us. Uh, Almost at, I, every Saturday and Sunday for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, love? Um, yeah. So, um, okay. My my hard today um, is just this awareness. So, so very concretely, it's about monitoring what our kids are reading. Our oldest two in particular are just absolute voracious readers. Um, it truly is sometimes a problem in our house. And I, I realize that that sounds like, really, woman, you're complaining about that. But but the challenge for me is, well, number one, sometimes they fall into a deep, dark hole of reading, and it's hard to like connect with them and get their attention. And you know, when I was becoming a mom and thinking about being a mom, I definitely had this ideal for myself that I would preview and approve everything they would read. And that is just so not happening right now. Like they are so much farther ahead. <laughs> because you don't have the time to read five books a day yeah. like they do. Yes, <laughs> it's true. Um, and so I'm just like, I don't know, like I'm just grappling with this. Like, is it is it that the ideal is still good, but I just am finding myself lacking? And so there's frustration there and maybe a bit of guilt. Um, or is it that the ideal was unrealistic and really not necessary? Um, and that it's a time for me to be flexible with myself and like reconsider. But I'm just like in the midst of that. And so it's just, it's weighing on me. So it's it's a small hard, but it's a hard. It's it's a real thing that exists in my mind and on my heart right now. It is a weird transition too, that as our kids get older, as any kids get older, there's the the growing discomfort of any parent, I think that we're just maybe stepping into now of like, they will encounter things that we have no idea yeah. they're encountering. Yeah, you know? and absolutely. Obviously, that's what we want for them as mature, healthy adults, you know, right. but even in the process of middle school and high school, like, who knows what movie they're going to watch at their friend's house tonight, yeah. things like that. That's, yeah. that's a, that's a tough transition. Yeah. So I don't imagine that this is this will be the only time I name that concept as my heart as our children, you know, start that gradual launching process. Launch is a really long on-ramp, guys. Um okay, so that's my hard. What is my high? Um oh, oh, yes, absolutely. So 
My high today is that I had the pleasure of connecting with a grad student who is in school to become a therapist and to sit down and have coffee with her um, and just hear about what is exciting her in her studies and what she, you know, wants to do when upon graduation, like how she wants to practice and and what, you know, um, kind of demographics she wants to work with and, and what mental health disorders she wants to specialize in. And it's just, it's so fun. I think especially for me right now, you know, I am primarily, well, I am exclusively at this moment, telehealth. You, Pat, are my greatest coworker that I see most often. Um, and so just to, you know, be shoulder to shoulder with someone who's in this field, it's so life-giving. And it was just, I did, I I absolutely just fed off of her energy and her hope and her dreams. And yeah, it was really beautiful. So thanks, Louisa, for that uh, coffee this week. Um, so yeah, so highs and hards. Um, let's look at what we're going to talk about today. So Pat, bring me up to speed. I actually haven't yet been able to listen to the episode that you and Father recorded um, because it's still in the editing stage. So can you summarize for me and maybe anyone who hasn't yet listened to episode three um, on your inherent goodness? Like, What was the thesis? What were the big takeaways from your conversation? Definitely. Three words. You ready? Okay. You are good. Cool. <laughs> it was a very short episode. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. okay. Can you expound on that? <laughs> so your inherent goodness, yours, mine, every human being out there, our value comes from our Heavenly Father, period. Full stop. No exceptions. That's where our worth is derived from. So that means okay. no matter what I do or fail to do, no matter what has been done to me, no matter the ways I've been hurt or supported or loved or abandoned or whatever, that I am still good inherently. And that's at the heart of so many different teachings of our church, right? That's at the heart of the truth about um, abortion and the death penalty and poverty and immigration and family life. And all of all of this is rooted in the idea that the human being has inherent value that can't be taken away. Mm. Um and I think that for a lot of us, we talked about, uh, Father and I talked about that our our human nature pushes back against that because it's easy for us to come up with lots of arguments to the opposite of that, you know, to say to ourselves like, well, I mean, I, I might be good, but I'm not that good because if you, if you know what I had done or mm-hmm. if you know what goes on inside my head, you would know that I'm actually not that good. And the Lord's response to that is, you are good. Yeah. Well, and I... I what I think you're getting at, and maybe this leads us into our episode actually, is um, that we often confuse our being with our doing. So if my my being is inherently good, um, that my doing and the value of my actions, the consequences of my actions, like that's something separate. Yep. Right? I mean, right. that's Absolutely. what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So episode three was all about you are good. Episode four today is the continuation of that idea, and you don't get to do whatever you want. (laughs) Ah, yes. Ah, yes. (laughs) Because the hard truth is that just because I am good does not mean that everything I do is good. Mm. Um, I don't always bear good fruit. The truth that being made good and the final word being spoken about my goodness, it doesn't mean that my actions are without consequence. And it doesn't mean that I am always in line with goodness 
in my actions, even though my being is always in mm-hmm. line with goodness. I mean, that's right. That's when we're disintegrated. Mm-hmm. My my actions do not emanate from my identity and from my true worth. Okay, cool. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. So to get into this idea for this week, we're going to go to a quote from one of my favorite Leos, Pope St. Leo the Great, who uh, in a Christmas homily from the mid-fifth century gave this beautiful passage about our dignity as Christians and what we are called to do with that dignity. Um, It's a moderately long paragraph, but it's just too beautiful to skip. So bear with me. Can you put it in the show notes for all of us? Absolutely. Yep. This this will be in the show notes on the website so you can read it for yourself. Put it on your Instagram, whatever you want to do. Um, And this statement really cuts both ways to remember our inherent goodness and out of that goodness to own up to the times when we have not quite lived it out. So Pope Leo the Great says this, Christian, remember your dignity. And now that you share in God's own nature, do not return by sin to your former base condition. Bear in mind who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Do not forget that you have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the light of God's kingdom. Through the sacrament of baptism, you have become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do not drive away so great a guest by evil conduct and become again a slave to the devil, for your liberty was bought by the blood of Christ. Ooh, that's mm. like a little retreat. <laughs> like if I could just like <laughs> sit in that for a little bit, I just, yeah, it, ooh, that really, that reaches deep. It's beautiful, right? It's piercing, it it's convicting, it's consoling oh, all at the is. same time. Yeah. yeah. St. Paul said something very similar. He wrote to the Galatians um, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13, 14. uh, St. Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, but do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Rather, serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. So if you're going to sum up those two beautiful passages, what it means is, We are called to true freedom, which means aligning our actions to what is true and good in creation and to living in a way that we are freely choosing the good. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think, too, about times when I have witnessed my clients being so relieved when they get to own what is truly theirs. You know, times when they have um, made poor choices, made misguided choices, and behaved poorly. Um, I think about that for myself. You know, initially, like, I feel such resistance to owning these things um, because it seems like I'm admitting that I'm bad. You know, so again, to go back to what you and Father were talking about last episode, like that distinction of being and doing is so critical to to holding these things in tension that I get to, you know, be be at peace in my inherent goodness, in that identity of my worth and my value, and own up to the times when um when I haven't lived that out and and when I have sinned, um when I have made mistakes. So, there's freedom. We actually find that we want to own our poor choices. I was with a client recently and he had that exact experience of of really like I saw in his face like the relief of him saying, "I really did not make a good choice when I reacted in, you know in that situation that way." 
And it was so exciting to witness. I mean, it just, it opened up a whole new world of possibilities for him. And, and I just, I saw him like really come into his authentic self in, in that conversation. He, he got to let it go and to move on. And, and that's what we are called to. It, these, these choices stop being this dark cloud that chases us around when we are ready to own it and then let it go. So, you know, clinically speaking, we could say like, this is one of those great remedies for anxiety and self-deprecation, for, for um, bringing truth into those places where there are lies about our worth and our goodness. We experience that inner calm when our behaviors are congruent with our identity, because again, our identity isn't being the beloved of God. You know, as Christians, we, we would say that this is our conscience at work. And conscience means with knowledge. But whose knowledge are we talking about? <laughs> because, you know, we as humans, as, as fallen and imperfect, our knowledge is flawed and it's imperfect. So, so yeah, if we think back to, um, I know that you and Father were talking about, um, or I guess you gave the opportunity for folks as their one thing to really turn down the external voices and to go to that inner cloister to be able to hear the Father's voice, the voice of truth. So that's that's when we um, become renewed in that knowledge, right? Our our well-formed conscience needs to be formed by the voice of truth, the Lord who is the way, the truth, and the life, John tells us in his gospel. And God who is the source of of that truth, God who is the truth and became Jesus, became the, the word made flesh, he gave us good. He gave us goodness. I mean, God is goodness itself. And Thomas Aquinas in the Summa goes through a really beautiful definition and explanation of what goodness even is. Like, how can we chase goodness? How can we say that we're seeking goodness if we don't even know what that is? And what he boils it down to essentially is he says, and this is a quote directly from the Summa, that goodness and being are really the same. He says, the essence of goodness consists in this, that it is in some way desirable. Which seems really oversimplified for us that it's something that we desire, but especially that goodness and being are really the same. I mean, one of the core tenets of this podcast and of your work as a therapist, Kenna, is the idea that living in reality is being rooted in mental health and holiness, that God is calling us to be present to the reality in front of us, to be truly present and not to be pulled in a million different directions, and that the idea that that reality is goodness, that they're almost the same thing, is really beautiful. And that that jives with everything that we know theologically about goodness, that God made everything good from the very beginning of scripture, from the very beginning of his revelation, everything that God made is good. So anything that exists that is evil, it's not that some other evil thing has been added to God's creation, and God is certainly not responsible for it. That evil is an absence of good. It's a privation of good. So it's not that there's a whole bunch of evil that God just created and threw out into the world. It's that there is almost like a black hole in the goodness of God's creation. And that's what evil looks like. That's what sin and natural evil and physical evil are for us. So sin and evil are the opposite of being. They don't exist strictly speaking. They're not a part of God's creation. They are the absence of God's presence, who is being itself. God is the verb to be. In him, we live and move and have our being. 
So the bad decisions that you and I make, they come out of taking the perception of good and evil into my own hands. Instead of conforming myself to God who is truth and who reveals to me what is actually good and evil. Um, that, that comes all the way from Genesis as well. You know, uh, Adam and Eve were told not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's not because God didn't want them to know things. God is very pro-knowledge. You know, God is very pro-science, pro-knowledge. It's because he didn't want them to take for themselves the role of defining what is good and evil, because that is God's nature. And it's our nature as his creatures, as his beloved sons and daughters, to hear his voice when he declares to us what is good. So even when we make bad decisions, when, when it gets really practical for us, even in the bad decisions that we make, the sinful, broken decisions that we make, those decisions are even because we believe that we're seeking a good of some kind. Um, so if I, if I lose my cool with one of our kids and I yell at him because in that moment, I believe that I'm seeking the good of restoring order in the household. If I can just get this kid to be quiet then we're all going to be happier. Or maybe I just get to vent my upset feelings, which in the moment feels like a good that is worth pursuing, even if it means yelling at my kid. Now, the decision is bad. The action is bad. And I have resorted to anger, but it's because I was seeking a good of some kind. Um, or if, I, uh, if I'm at work and I'm really bored and I slack off and I start playing games on my computer that still is because I'm seeking the good of my entertainment and my enjoyment of my own pleasure. And entertainment, enjoyment, pleasure, certainly not bad things. They may be very much lower on the totem pole than doing my due diligence and contributing to the Lord's creation at my job. Or maybe there's someone who turns to drinking. They, they spend too much time at the bar or in the basement, and they turn to alcohol because they believe in some way that it's better than fighting with their wife or yelling at their kids that instead of lashing out at their family, it's better for everyone if they're just not present. And if they turn to alcohol instead, so alcoholism is certainly the result of bad decisions. A lot of time there's genetic causes as well, but it's still in some way, someone seeking the good just in the, in the wrong way at the wrong time to the wrong degree. Well, and the word like distortion comes to mind, right? So um, that the the good that I presume to be seeking with my use of alcohol, my misuse of alcohol, you know, that I am distorted in what I think the good is. And so therefore, the actions that I use to pursue that will also be distorted or disordered. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. That so was... it gets back to your conscience comment too, that, that in order to choose the good, I have to understand what the good is in the first place. So yeah. I have to listen to the voice of the father. I have to see the path clearly. And then I have to have the courage and the desire to walk down the path, even if it's difficult, that leads to goodness. Yeah. And and all this really seems to, for me, um, get at the idea of truth. I think of, you know, original sin stemming from Adam and Eve reaching for the fruit um, because they chose to define what is good and evil for themselves. It was a it was a really relativistic understanding of of good and evil. So we could say in in the garden, the devil introduced the idea of perception or you know that is what relativism is it's it's well, what do you see it as and this acceptance that we can all have we can have a multitude of of perceptions when we create a hierarchy of good 
that is based on our own perceptions, we sometimes choose the wrong thing because we are broken, we are fallen, we are imperfect, our vision isn't clear, we don't we don't know the whole story, right? Only God knows that and and he desires to to let us participate in it through his grace to to do our part of you know building the kingdom. But when we take that into our own hands, that's when things get disordered. And and that's, you know, a, a big piece of what people share in in my sessions with them are the regrets they have, the ways in which they they did misunderstand what the good is. You know, oftentimes a, a concern for self that comes out of not getting their needs met in an appropriate way. And so then they're pursued. Um, in ways that are hurtful to others. So, so how do we address this? You know, both in my office and for us here on this podcast, we want to reorient ourselves with truth himself. We go back to the one who sees clearly and completely because not only does he show us our dignity, he also sheds light on the ways that we have not been living out our integrity. Um, he upholds and restores that integrity even when we have dismissed and abandoned it, even when we have given up on ourselves, he says, there's a way back. There is a way back to your authentic identity. It's never too late. Um, you know, so long as we're on this side of, of the grave, it's never too late to make choices that are congruent with who I've created you to be. That's the prodigal son, right? Is returning to his authentic self, realizing yeah. that his actions were not in line with his value yeah. and returning to where his actions could be in line with his value, returning to his integrated home with his father. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, really what we're saying is that living with integrity is that we don't get to, we don't do good things and avoid evil because it will make us good, right? That would be believing that we can somehow accrue goodness. And in your last episode, in our last episode, you addressed that. <laughs> we do good things and avoid evil because it is in line with our inherent goodness because when we do so, we find peace and freedom and virtue, and it expresses the truth of who we really are. You know, mental health thriving in our with our emotions and our behaviors and our thoughts is um, is characterized by freedom and authenticity. So the flip side of this reality is that nothing we do can destroy that inherent goodness. And again, I think of the prodigal son. There wasn't anything, any action that he could take that would diminish his father's love for him. And so, you know, we as as humans, especially as adults um, who have lived with our conscience for decades now, we may be aware of our need for confession, of our need for forgiveness and mercy, both of the Lord and maybe of other humans in our life. It's because we've been wounded by sin, not because we've lost our dignity and our worth, that we need that mercy and that grace. Like Father and I talked about in our last episode, it's because we feel the sting of either our own sin, the ways that we have wounded others and ourselves, or the sting of being hurt by other people through no fault of our own. It's because we feel that sting that we know that there is something uh, disjointed, that there's a disconnect between value and actions, yeah. whether it's ours or others. So uh, whether it means that we need to pursue forgiveness and offer someone forgiveness and mercy for what they have done in our lives, whether it's w we, whether we need to pursue confession and we need to ask for forgiveness from others and from God for the ways that we have sinned, neither of those have affected our dignity and worth. So mm -hmm. we are good 
but there's still maybe tangible actions that we need to take to set right the actions that were not in line with our dignity in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So turning to our challenge by choice for this week and recommitting to the lifelong journey of aligning our actions with the inherent goodness and dignity that we enjoy as human beings, we want to turn to the sacrament of reconciliation, to confession, to this amazing opportunity that the Lord has given us to ask for forgiveness for the ways that our actions have not aligned with reality. They've not aligned with the dignity that we have as his sons and daughters, to reorient ourselves with the truth, to to bring ourselves back to the word made flesh who is the truth and our life. So one of the greatest ways that we can reorient with truth is going to confession. If confession is a frequent part of your uh, Catholic habit, I can't encourage you enough to to approach it in maybe even a renewed way, to take a deeper look at your examination of conscience, not just an examination of ourselves and our own sinfulness, but also an examination of him who sees us as he made us, of God our Father, uh, God who calls us to live out our dignity. Uh, the CFRs have an amazing Poco a Poco podcast episode, by the way, about moving deeper into the sacrament of confession. Uh, so we'll link that episode into our show notes and our resources here. And if confession isn't a consistent part of your faith practice, I'm, I'm encouraging you and challenging you and maybe even begging you to give it a shot, to bring yourself to the mercy of God even with all the awkwardness and sometimes discomfort that comes with telling your sins to a priest, maybe the pastor that you know really well, just to enjoy the mercy that washes over us as sinners as we hear the priest say, and God saying through the priest, I absolve you of all your sins. Knowing what it means to find freedom after we have rediscovered the truth for which we were made in the first place. And for our friends out there who are not Catholic and, and don't have this sacrament of reconciliation that we do in the Catholic Church, I can't encourage you enough to seek reconciliation with your Lord in whatever terms are possible for you, to seek genuine and complete penance and contrition and reconciliation in your own prayer, again, to meditate and, and appreciate the mercy of God in your life, and to reorient ourselves with truth, to remember that our actions ought to be aligned with our dignity, that we are good no matter what we've done. And it's important for us as sons and daughters of God to act in a way that is in line with our perfect and eternal dignity. All right. Should we bring this in for a landing? Let's do it. All right. So episode four in the books. Um, So yeah, as we close up today, asking you, our listeners, um, to do us the kindness of subscribing, sharing this podcast, rating it, reviewing it. Go to our show notes and resources on our website, thiswholelifepodcast.com, for those awesome quotes, um, scripture references, and the one thing. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at This Whole Life Podcast and on Twitter at This Whole Life. And as always, we want your feedback. Um, This podcast exists to hopefully meet the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So give us your questions, your thoughts, your reflections, topics that you want us to address here. You can send us a note by visiting thiswholelifepodcast.com or on any of the social media outlets. You are good. It's so true. And oh, 
You don't get to do whatever you jolly well please. <laughs> <laughs> that is the whole truth. You are right. That's that's the both and right there. So you are good, and we can't encourage you enough to go out there and to also do good that is in line with your goodness. Awesome. Awesome. Um, we look forward to being with you next time. God bless your week. Talk to you next time. Later. This Whole Life is a production of the Martin Center for Integration. Visit us online at thiswholelifepodcast.com. Unique New York. Unique New York. <laughs> unique New York. Unique New York. Unique you, you. Hmm. Yep. <laughs>